Hi, everyone. Get ready for the How I Raised It podcast, the show where you get an inside, unfiltered look at how real entrepreneurs raise capital for their businesses. I'm your host, Nathan Beckert, and today's episode is with Thibaut Ugg de la Rose of Back Market. We talk about the French startup scene, about the circular economy, pitching Al Gore, and much more. If you're tuning into this podcast to learn how to raise capital for your business, I've created a super valuable free welcome package for you. It includes a list of 2,500 investors who don't require a warm intro, plus 200 of the most important questions that serious investors are going to ask you. So this will really help you prepare to rock your fundraise. To get access to this, please leave us a nice review in the iTunes store, hit all the stars, and then email us at info at foundersuite.com and we will send that right off to you. Last but not least, if you enjoy this conversation and think someone else would too, please share it with them and hit that subscribe button to get all our latest episodes. Thank you. Sit back and enjoy the chat with Tebow. Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today I have Thibaut Hugues-de-la-Rose. Say your name. Just let's see how close I got to it. Hello, my name is Thibaut Hugues-de-la-Rose, uh, okay. which is obviously a French name. All right. I came close-ish. But anyway, uh, coming to us from Bordeaux, CEO of Back Market. Um, how's your day going? How's Bordeaux these days? Bordeaux is great these days. Uh, it's still very sunny, 20 degrees. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's a city very close to the ocean, uh, which makes it very nice to live. Great. Is the company headquartered there or are you vacationing there or holiday? No, no it's, it's the company new headquarters. Great. Excellent. Nice place to... Are there a lot of startups there? Or is it a, a startup hub? Yeah. Actually, it's booming. It's, it's, it's becoming like, you know, the, the little San Francisco in France, uh, not to say in Europe, uh, but it's getting, you know, uh, one of the big hubs and where you, you tend to see more and more startups coming, which is good and bad, right? Because good because it's attracting more tech talents, bad because competition is increasing. Uh, so you have to, to raise your game. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Well, let's jump right into it. What, what is back market? What do you guys do? Basically, we're the first marketplace dedicated to uh, refurbished products. Uh, our mission is to extend the life of hardware products. And so uh, today, Back Market is live in 17 countries across three regions. So in the US, obviously, but also in Europe and in Asia. And we clearly intend to uh, disrupt the way we consume hardware products uh, by putting more circularity within them. Uh, Today, the, the situation is, is the following. You know, it's very linear. Uh, manufacturers are innovating. They're producing tons of new devices every year. And, uh, and so it's very bad for the environment. Uh, it's also very bad for the wallet of people. Uh, but still, um, many people are buying those. So we, we are here to say stop to that and to say that there is a, a good alternative to buying new products every year, which is really first to keep the product as long as possible and then if you want to upgrade or to switch for whatever reason, uh, go to back market, consumer refurbished product. Uh, you will save a lot of money, 50% at least. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're safe. You are not betting on the quality of the product because we made all those investments in, in the, the curation of the, of the product. And we invest a lot on the quality of the user experience. Interesting. 
So it's a place to to buy refurbished electronics. Can I also sell my equipment there? So is it a true two-sided market? So this feature is going to be live in the US in January 2022, actually. We, we rolled it out in, in France, which was uh, our uh, original market, let's say. Uh, and actually, we have 20% of our clients, when they are purchasing their, their, their product on back market, they are trading in their old one. Uh, so they get a discount on the product they are purchasing. So it's, it's the same mechanism that you can find at Apple or at you know, the, the big telcos. But this is refurbished products and uh, trading against the used product, which is way better <laughs> for mm -hmm. the circularity of it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I was going to ask about that. I noticed last time I bought my Apple MacBook, they gave me the option of sending back my previous one and getting, I don't know, 600 bucks or something for it, which had never, I'd never noticed that as an option before. And hence I have a, half a dozen old apples sitting in my in my attic you know just collecting dust because i've never really found a way to get rid of those i thought that was kind of cool is that yeah. is that a parallel circular economy to what you're doing or are they somehow intertwined with what you're doing oh, actually that's feeding in the the refurbished market because once they they get the product that you haven't really traded in and uh, hopefully you are going to do it to put it back in into the circulation uh, at some point but that ends up being refurbished by a professional third party uh, not apple but third party uh -huh. uh, company called the refurbisher um, and this refurbisher will sell the product back to the market through back markets oh interesting got it so when i send that that computer back it goes to refurbisher they work on it and then it ends up on your marketplace or, or something like that um, exactly what where did this idea come from what were you doing before what was the the light bulb or genius moment of coming up with this <laughs> Well, you have to go back like eight years ago um, at my first job. Uh, I was working for a, a marketplace integrator uh, back then. I was a sales manager. So my job was uh, literally to help companies to sell their product through every marketplace at the same time. Mm. So they, they connected to my system and, uh, and their inventory were listed every, everywhere. So on Amazon and Walmart and uh, on eBay. Um, so one feed, one API, uh, but then uh, access to every marketplace at the same time. Uh, and among my wallet of clients, I had that um, for refurbishing factories of smartphones. Uh, and I didn't know anything about that uh, mm -hmm. at the time. And the epiphany came when I literally visited uh, one of those. Um, and I figured, oh, okay, so they are not a trading company just uh, selling used devices. Uh, they had, you know, the whole process is figured out like a, at an industrial level. So they've developed their software to check on every device's uh, health check, basically. Uh, they have developed uh, all the spare parts and component management to replace the used spare parts um, in the device they were processing. They had that, that white room uh, to literally open the products to avoid the dust coming in the, the devices uh, when they were doing the replacement. Um, so I felt like, okay, this is a movie, you know, it's like Interstellar uh, here. Um, and at the end of the supply chain, really the devices were, were looking so good. Uh, and I, I've seen all the processes and I, I take a device in my hand and I figure, okay, this, this got so much more value than just a used device. And nobody knows about it. Uh, you know, for customer, it was mostly, okay, I've got two options. So either I go buy a new product on Amazon, so I pay the full price, yeah. but I'm safe, you know, in case of problems, uh, I got my warranty, I got Amazon. 
Um, or I, I decide to go by a used device and I go on Craigslist or eBay. Uh, yeah. And I take my chances. It's all the way around. You know, it's a, a big discount, but no safety net. Uh, and so those guys, they figure the way to just create that parallel market between, you know, new and used, getting the best combo out of the two world, you know, with the price discount out of the new product, but also the safety net that you couldn't find on the, on the used market. So I figure they found the way, um, you know, doing more with less resources. It's what's at stake in every industry, uh, transportation, energy, uh, but also hardware. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, I thought at the time, like they, they found the, the way to go to scale circularity when it comes to hardware products, uh, because they've put in, they've, they've made so many progress around the industrial processes to, to treat those devices. So let's create a one-stop shop dedicated uh, for those products. You know, it's, it's going to be a marketplace dedicated to refurbished product. And I'm going to showcase to the users, like, this is refurbished, this is not used. Uh, and so yeah. this is so much better than used and so much better than new because of the price, the quality, the warranty, the safety net of a third party dedicated to it. And that, that was the best at the, the bet at the time. Cool, cool. Excellent. And so that was, when did you guys start? How long ago was that? November, 2014. Okay. We released the platform and we worked on it like for eight months before launching. Did you start just with one product like iPhones or, or Macs or did, was it all electronics? Yeah. Uh, no, at the beginning it was only iPhones mm -hmm. uh, because I had the trust of the four refurbishing factory I was working with at my first job. I kind of pitched them the, the project like, hey guys, I'm going to create that distribution channel tailor-made for you. You are not going to have any investment. You, you're not going to, to need to make any investment because I'm going to be plugged uh, to the platform uh, I was working at. Um, and it's going to be so much better because people are going to actually see what you provide in terms of extra value. Uh, the returns uh, are going to be so much lower because people will know that they are purchasing a refurbished device and not a new device. And, I'm going to make everything to make you scale uh, to the next level with that platform. So we had those four um, sellers on boarding since day one. And we had, uh, I think it was 250 listing uh, day one plugged in mm -hmm. uh, on, on the back market platform. Cool. And now if you're willing to share, what, what sort of volume are you doing? How many uh, devices or gadgets or electronics will, will transact on, on the platform in 2021? Do you have a feel for that? So... I can't give you the, the numbers exactly, but you know, at the beginning, of course, we, we, we were at zero and now we're, we're selling over 10,000 a day. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, cool. That's amazing. And of course, that's just a tiny, tiny fraction of the total amount of electronics. I almost don't want to ask this question, but like what happens to the rest of it? Is it all ended up in landfill and, or is it picked apart by, you know, scavengers and, and somewhat recycled for the components and metals or no? Well, it doesn't look good in any, in both cases, yeah. uh, actually. So um, the vast majority ends up uh, in landfills, uh, not necessarily in the US or in Europe, but you know, cross-border um, uh, in a way that you don't you don't like to see the pictures. Yeah. Um, some of it comes to recycling, but the way it should work uh, is what we're trying to build with back market is that. The product needs to be reused as long as possible. You need to extend the life of it because uh, the biggest problem is the CO2 emission uh, that get produced by the manufacturing process of it. Extraction of raw materials mm -hmm. uh, is really costly uh, to earth. 
Um, and, and so this is where the, the big pain is. And so once that, that's being done, then you need to reuse them for as long as possible. The refurbishing process itself don't create that, that much CO2 emission. It saves actually a lot because it's a mostly handiworks uh, from people replacing yeah. components. So the CO2 emissions are going to come from the production of the components and lo the logistic to get the components going to the actual facility. Uh, but that's nothing if you compare it to the production of actual brand new device. Uh, so let's reuse it all over again. Uh, let's repair it all over again as much as possible. But today it's, it's very, very hard for the people to, to have a clear top of mind uh, brand to go to when they want just to, to fix their product, right? Uh, it's not working anymore because the battery is dead or screen is broken, whatever it is, but there might be a, a and they are, and they exist actually, those repair uh, shops uh, and guys with the, with the knowledge to, to fix the devices. But the problem is that people don't know who they are, don't know where they stand. So we should either repair, or if you don't want the product anymore, like you, you've, you've upgraded to, to the new MacBooks, etc. you should have a clear and smooth path to just trade in your old one uh, all the time in a few clicks, you know, without having even to think about that. And so that's the first step that we're trying to build as on scale as much as possible. And this is why we're going to, to come out with that buyback program in 20, January 2022 in the US. Mm. Um, and then, you know, let's make the product circulate as much as possible and being repaired as much as possible. At some point, people are not going to want it or worst um, iOS or exploitation system are not going to, to be maintained uh, by the manufacturers on, on those products. So... Uh, we should insert the, uh, the repurpose uh, on those devices. Maybe we, you know, we, we need to, to join forces with the FTC, the right to repair. Like, let's free those products from what they've been designed for in the first place. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my old iPhone 3 could, could be still a great web camera or, mm -hmm. or a TV control uh, for, for my TV. You know? mm -hmm. There is Wi-Fi, there is Bluetooth, there is everything within it to, to make it work on, as an IoT device. Um, and then when there is really no more need for it, uh, let's put it to recycling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Extract the raw material and go back again. But this is the way it should go, ecologically speaking, in terms of incentive, in terms of money saving for the user. This is, this is what we, we, we need to build. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's the whole circular economy trend is encouraging and exciting. I hope it becomes kind of more mainstream because it's what we need. <laughs> um, very good. All right, let's talk about raising capital for this. So when you were first starting out, what? how did you get this thing off the ground? Did you bootstrap it? Did you raise angel money? What'd you do? Well, at the really beginning, first, we, you have to meet the right co-founders, right? Uh, building a marketplace, uh, there is only one way, which is to get a CTO co-founder if you're not a CTO yourself. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to meet uh, Q um, at Netiven, so the first company I was previously working on. Uh, so, so we got to know each other and we were very lucky because we got to know each other through work. So we knew I had to work together before creating mm -hmm. the company. Um, having a CTO and a CEO, I think is the minimal mix uh, to start off. Um, any tech company and that allows you to start with very low capital because you have the the how uh, with the CTO creating actually the whole system yeah. and I had the trust of, uh, of my first suppliers at the beginning and then we were lucky enough to meet our third co-founder uh, Vinny 
uh, was actually entitled to create the, the brand experience, the, the C side of the marketplace, so the user experience that we're going to provide to our customers, et cetera. So, and as co-founders, uh, we didn't pay ourselves at the beginning. Uh, we, we put it uh, $20K uh, within the capital of the company. And now uh, it was enough to start to roll out the MVP and to start to feel, okay, is it going to you know, find some attention and, and, and are people going to consume our products? Yeah. And I was, that was okay for six months. Um, for the first six months, uh, traction was already great and it was purely org organic. Um, then uh, we were in an accelerator program uh, in Paris and, and we had a lot of, um, of traction with, uh, with seed VCs specialists and some business angels. And so we were lucky enough to have enough attention to choose whether to go with VC or business angel who were entrepreneurs themselves and had already some great experience within the, the tech space. So we decided to go with them. So that was the Angels. first seed raise. Angels. What was the name of the accelerator in Paris? Uh, Comping. So it's like Y Combinator for the Parisian ecosystem. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Okay. So keep going. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. So then you raised a, an angel round from local an French. Round. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Local French uh, entrepreneurs, the one who created the European uh, Etsy and got, you know, uh, acquired by Etsy at the time. Um, and some other are specialists into within other retail spaces. Um, and that was very useful because as co-founders, then you're learning your job every day. Um, and those guys, they, they've already have done like several mistakes. They already knew like where the right third-party softwares to use for, you know, payment, for logistics, etc. So their knowledge was great, really great and really helpful to, you know, win time in execution. And, and this is where you can actually, at the beginning, you are fragile. Uh, you can die at any crossway. Yeah. Um, so this money is important. You need to survive and to, to, to be able to spend a bit in, into marketing acquisition and stuff to, to grow your business. But this is even more valuable than the money, you know, to the right advices uh, from, from people who experienced already like uh, significant, significantly similar experience. Uh, so that was six months after the launch of Black Market, uh, May 2015. Um, that happened. And then we started to think, okay, um, Black Market is great for the French market, but we're actually addressing a global problem. And so this should work and this should travel internationally speaking. So let's, let's focus our efforts into rolling out, you know, the platform and being, you know, like in other countries and, and see like, uh, if there is a, a fit there as well. And so we decided to, you know, focus all our efforts on that. And we rolled out like four new markets uh, within the, the, the 12 months after the fundraise. And it was very, it was uh, working exactly the same way than in France uh, with good traction uh, in different markets. And I think that's where, you know, like we started to feel, okay, this model can travel. Uh, it's not. It's not just in your mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's traveling. Uh, it's starting to show some great signals. So uh, let's accelerate and push it further there. And this is when the Serie A came. Okay. And, and we raised ten million dollars at the time with our first uh, two VC partners. Um, and yeah, that was um, that was the next step. And and the, the idea was clear. We need to keep on pushing. You know, within those countries we just raised and try to you know, scale the, the, the product with some enablers that we knew that were missing uh, because 
there are tons of things that we're all still missing uh, in back market uh, at the time and are still today actually. Um, and yeah, and, and then it kept on accelerating. International development was still a main focus. Uh, and today, as I'm speaking, you know, like we're in 17 markets, three regions. And, and since then we raised the series B of uh, $50 million. Then we raised the series C of uh, $130 million. And then we raised our series D of $330 million. And we never pivoted. We always had, you know, uh, the same vision. And we really want to bring circular economy at scale for hardware products, extend the life of tech devices is what we do. And in order to do that, we need to build a global brand, um, established marketplace like Airbnb has done for the travel. And, and so that requires capital. Um, yeah, good. <clears throat> All right. Let me pick apart a few of these. Um, let's, let's go to the Series A, who led that? And was that French VCs? Was that European VCs? And how did you kind of identify, was it marketplace VCs? Was it circular economy VCs? You know, how did you identify the right people for that, right firms? So two very different animals. Um, the, it was led by Daphne, so which is a French fund, uh, specializing in impact funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their tagline is uh, build a city for good. So basically they like to, to invest in, in impactful businesses. And they like the, we share the same vision in a way, like there, like, there is no compromise for value. Like uh, um, it was at the DNA of back market, the more we're growing our business, the best it is for the impact because the more refurbished products sold, the less new products sold. Yeah. Um, so they, they bought in for the vision, for the team, um, for the traction, obviously, uh, of the business. Uh, and uh, Aglae Venture, which is basically Bernard Arnault's fund, uh, the the French billionaire and the president of LVMH group mm. uh, who bought in at the same time. Great. Cool. Okay. So you stuck to France, French investors at the moment. And then how about series B and series C? Did you also continue in that same vein? So series B was preempted by uh, Bernard Arnault. Himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had the numbers. We, we received the first offers from uh, UK funds, uh, first approach from US funds, and uh, yeah, he was just so pragmatic and, and much faster than anyone else. And he said, okay, what value? Okay, for me, let's go. This is mine. So they're going and after so, you at this point. They're, they're, they're hearing of you. They're seeing your growth and they're chasing you and putting a term yeah. sheet down. <laughs> putting a first term sheet on and, um, and their term sheet, like the eventual term sheet was uh, much better. Uh, and they knew and they, they asked us because they were already a board member. So it was, you know, an easy access to the next uh, round for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we let Eurasio, which is a European fund, uh, in at the time uh, as well. Who led that one? Firm. Sorry, who led that one, so, Bernard? Bernard Arnault with Aglae Venture Fund. Okay. Um, so his fund, basically, uh, oh. with his money in. And, and we also um, had Eurasio join, joining, which is I, a European okay. fund. Cool. And Series C, anything notable about that? Was that another preemptive round or? So, um, no, it was different. Uh, Series C was led by Goldman Sachs. Okay. Uh, And at the time, uh, you know, we we just rolled out, you know, the back market product within the US market. We had great traction in the US and we felt, okay, we need a, a US investor that's going to to really help, you know, open doors in the US and help us, you know, scale the business there. 
So this is where they, they came and how they came into the play. You know, I, I started the, uh, the funding uh, because I hate uh, funding rounds uh, as a CEO. It's, it's really the worst part of my job, but I have to do it because it's necessary to, you know, reach the vision, uh, become yeah. the global leader, requires fundings. Um, but the, the success looks like for back market uh, being the number one in the U.S. markets and and uh, we, we made the decision, okay, we need a US VC to join the capital at the time. And so I started the roadshow uh, going to New York, San Francisco and talking to, you know, the, let's call them the usual suspects. So all the, the, the top VC firms uh, out there. And, uh, and we had a, a great momentum, a great deal with Goldman Sachs, uh, which was a very well-established uh, brands there. And they, they had just secured their first gross uh, large funds of $4 billion. Um, mm. So, um, they were the new new joiner at Series C, which was pretty different than the the previous ones. Was that when you were doing the roadshow in New York, and were you talking to all growth stage venture funds, or some private equity funds, or kind of a mix? Um, kind of a mix, but mostly around growth equity funds. Yes, yeah. was the vast majority of them. Because we were like at a stage like uh, growing at three digits uh, with new markets. Markets uh, showing some great results, so it was all about you know like fueling that growth. Yeah, yeah, makes and, sense. Yeah. What any tips for pitching Goldman Sachs or getting to know them? Or what what do they like to kind of work with? Because obviously that's a blue chip uh, yeah. banker name. Yeah. <laughs> so any tips? Uh, be prepared. Be sharp. Be straight. Um, they like to run many, many analysis mm. um, and, uh, and kind of, uh, you know, picture the things, uh, picture your business growing within the next four or five years, uh, uh, fit the model upside down to see if it stands, etc. cetera. Um, so you need to be um, comfortable with your numbers, basically. You need to uh, be straight when it comes to the vision. Um, but I think that works for any kind of uh, growth fund. But for Goldman Sachs in particular, I think that uh, they're really into numbers. Yeah. Does that what does that process look like? Does that mean you're giving them your financial forecasts and they've got a couple analysts or associates kind of tweaking it and playing with it, or are you working with them side by side and kind of coming through some stuff? So what's the receipt looked like? Well, at the time, you know, you meet all the let's say we selected like 15 uh, top VC firms uh, in the US. I met all of them. They were all like 100% super excited after the first meeting. This is basically where you just uh, show some slides about what you do, how did you build your model, and this is a, just an overview of, of what you're doing and where do you stand. Um, then there is a meeting B, um, and you start going deeper into the questions like um, marketing acquisition, uh, uh, structure of the supply, the product, the team, etc. Yeah, and this is where you start to have some drop uh, around the, uh, the, the the people who are looking into, or or sometimes they just uh, uh, don't follow up really, uh, and you are not uh, um, having uh, the the frequency of conversation that uh, that you are with some others that are still very very uh, excited by what you're doing and really want to to join. Yeah, and then you you start going into some business due diligence, you know. So uh, for those who want to go further. Uh, there is really like uh, meeting the team, um, g- 
getting some uh, deep analysis around your, your model, etc. And this is where the, uh, the, the real um, uh, connection is happening because you really start working with the people you have uh, around the table at that yeah. time. Uh, right. Start having deep discussions around your business. You are not just uh, talking about some concepts. Uh, you're talking with numbers. You are talking with uh, neighbors, and and so it's it's around the the, the depth of the market, the model itself, uh, the risk, uh, the product roadmap, uh, etc. I think that's you know the the exciting part of the fundraising because repeating yourself all over again for the the, the first. Uh, Round is is uh, is not interesting at all. Obviously, you know everything about your business, so um, yeah, it's more to grab the attention of a, a potential new joiner. Uh, and then, yeah, they they went, and then you jump in with the condition uh, of the deal, like uh, okay, uh, some wants in. Uh, what's the condition that they are offering you? They are putting some term sheets, uh, basically, to join the com the, the capital of the company. And then you start um, uh, the negotiation uh, and you, you, you just go for what you think is the best fit for the company uh, in yeah. terms of, uh, um, of course, in, in terms of a cultural fit with the fund, but also in terms of uh, um, basic terms, uh, let's say, so uh, money, dilution, um, uh, and all the terms that you can find in term sheet um, that will actually be the, the basis of the of the terms linking you with the new shareholder. Yeah, good. Yeah, interesting. Any advice for founders that might be going through this on terms to watch out for or terms that you are most, you know, concerned about, right? Okay, so I'm going to speak to speak about my personal case because I think it's it's very personal uh, for every uh, yeah, company, every founders. But for me, uh, it's important to have someone that fully embraced the vision uh, of the company. You don't want to have someone joining and asking to flip the model <laughs> uh, mm. or, or saying, okay, uh, I'm going in if uh, and only if uh, you pivot or you switch to that or, or you enable that. Uh, no, you want someone that is buying in uh, the team, the vision, uh, and that's going to support you and help you to, the, to reach that vision as, like, uh, as fast as possible. Uh, so, so for me, that's P0. Uh, and then you have um, uh, the, the, the cultural fit with the team because uh, ultimately uh, it's a name, uh, but it's someone uh, that is going to stick around uh, for the next uh, five years or so, mm -hmm. uh, most yeah. of the time. So you want to have someone that you you, you can uh, discuss uh, frankly with uh, and, and have constructive discussions and uh, that you think is going to, 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 to bring value to the company. And then you take a look at the financial terms, uh, valuation, uh, so uh, dilution basically. Um, and uh, I think, you know, like for me, like uh, it was very important at the beginning, like preferences, like, uh, uh, but for now it's not anymore. For me, it's, uh, it's, it's a no brainer. Uh, it's, 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 it's not a point of discussion anymore. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, the first points for me that are important. It's uh, yeah. the, the top three. Yeah, that's good. Um, you've raised a lot of money, like, and, and how do you sort of balance, like, hey, we need a lot of money to make this the global leader versus every round you take, you're getting diluted more and more and more. So do you even worry about dilution or are you just focused on building the biggest market leader? I mean, 
And I guess, are there other competitors like close on your heels that are also raising a lot of money? This is a complicated question, but yeah, any comments on that? <laughs> oh, actually, we were lucky enough to, to not have like uh, direct competitors on our heels uh, for some times. And every time there is one popping out, we, we, we just look at it and we focus on what they do, what, what they might do better. Uh, and, and we just focus on being better. Uh, so uh, it's, it's motivating for the team internally to just uh, um, go to the next level if they are doing a few things better, even if they are much smaller. Uh, it's not mm -hmm. a reason not to look at it um, because in the end, it's the best user experience and the best brand that will, work, what, that will win the game especially when you are a vertical marketplace. Um, so um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the way we, we deal with copycats. Uh, sure, yeah. At back market. Okay, and dilution, I mean, are you even concerned about dilution much or it just? Um, dilution is important. I mean, first you need to think about the company. Uh, so that company first. And so company is not about dilution, so it's not your personal dilution. It's what amount of money do you need uh, to, to go all in uh, and, and to really boost uh, the company's uh, growth uh, to achieve its mission. Sure. Um, and it's, um, most of the time, it's not like so much more money. Uh, you know what you can do with the money, but uh, the, the hard stuff uh, within our space is more to recruit tech engineers uh, uh, and, uh, and maintain a, a great culture internally in order to give ourselves the right enabler to execute than the money itself. Uh, Right. So, but first you need to, yeah, to think about the company. And so the amount of money needed is, uh, is, is P0. What do we need to go full uh, uh, for the, the next two, three years? Um, and then dilution is important uh, in a way, because if you are max in terms of cash in uh, already, then why raising more cash? Um, and so at that stage, I always try to balance, okay, so... We have new joiners that don't want to be frustrated. We want them to be all in as well. Uh, everybody needs to be happy around the table. So we need that much cash in for the company and not let's ask to the active uh, existing shareholders, okay, do you want to sell a bit uh, to make some room for the new joiners? Mm. Some are, no, no way. Some are, are more inclined to do so. So uh, the earliest joiner uh, are more inclined um, uh, sometimes. Uh, and so that's... Uh, I think a good way to to make everybody happy uh, at the end of the deal. Okay, last uh, two two last questions. I know the last round you had generation investment management, which is Al Gore, uh, Al Gore's fund. Any tales from that? Did you get to meet him or pitch him or um, yeah, anything around that? So yeah, actually we we welcome two two new joiners last round. So Al Gore's fund, Generation I am, and um, and General Atlantic uh, as well. And when it comes to generation investment management, yes, I did have to uh, uh, one hour Zoom with Al Gore, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, it was a great moment. I think he's a great, you know, um, inspiring person uh, who really believes, you know, we can change things and uh, with a strong obsession about going to net zero, you know, like uh, CO2 emission and being convinced that, you know, it goes through through creative, innovative businesses that we will reach that uh, ambition. So yeah, for us, it was a great step, a great moment for me personally to, to be lucky enough to have that conversation with him um, and, uh, and not to have him supportive uh, for back market is a great asset, obviously. That, that must have been exciting, just like when you're sitting there, like, 
I'm on Zoom. I'm pitching Al Gore right now. Yeah. <laughs> like that must have been yeah. a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. And another cool moment I didn't share, but we, I also had to, I was also lucky enough to pitch Natalie Portman uh, oh. for, this, for the Series C. And she was really into impact funding and she, she wants to you know, invest our money where it can make a difference. So that was a great moment on Zoom as well. Does she have a fund or is it her personal uh, angel capital? It's her personal angel capital. Got it. Oh, neat. Yeah. She's great. Excellent. Did she come in on the round or did you just pitch it? No, she didn't uh, in the end. And she was super happy. But I think, you know, she's got that, that console and it was like, okay, but this company is not making profit. So it's risky. And I see. So sure. It, it was, uh, I think, pretty far from uh, our environment. And, you know, that's just fine. But, uh, but I think she's a great person. It's great that, you know, uh, people like her are, or DiCaprio, or, or you know, like those guys are investing in, in things that make sense, and, uh, and this yeah. is uh, it's bearing for other people. Yeah, it's amazing. I've seen, I've watched all of these celebrities, athletes get into the the venture world in the past five, ten years. It's kind of wild. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Okay, my last question for you is: What if you were going to rewind the clock and um, talk to your younger self? What tips or advice would you give your younger self if you were doing this all over again? or just any general advice you'd give other founders or French founders, if there's anything specific to being French. So open, open question. First thing that I will tell myself is um, invest more money in uh, experience engineer day one. Mm. Okay. Because as a tech company, you start with a monolite. Uh, and so you keep that for your entire life. Uh, until you you know you go into microservices etc and and you bring more agility in the end but the best engineer that you have uh, and the sooner you have great engineers the best it is for uh, agility and fast uh, fast building uh, in the coming years and you're paying uh, what you haven't invested so much more uh, after so Series A, a seed round, uh, take a bit more money to hire top talented engineers is what I would tell myself, like really like no doubt around that. Most of your engineering in France or do you have teams spread all over the place? Uh, most of them are in France, uh, but we have more and more European talents. Um, so I would say like, you know, like 30% of the team is spread across Europe. Uh, we have offices like back market has offices in, in Paris, in Bordeaux, but also in, in New York, in Berlin, mm. um, soon to open in Tokyo as well, uh, yeah. in Barcelona. So, and those places, uh, we welcome engineers anywhere in the world. <laughs> cool. Those are great places. Tokyo, neat. Yeah. They're all exciting places. Okay. Any other advice or tips you would tell your, your younger self or other French entrepreneurs? Go in. I mean, th th there is no time. Uh, and we're, we are here to, to create things that add value uh, to existing world. Uh, life is short. Uh, so go all in, I think, is, is what we need to, to do and to create things that make sense. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you. If people want to learn more, it's simply backmarket.com, correct? Exactly. Excellent. Well, I'll check it out. Anything you want to promote or plug or should people just go and buy some refurbished electronics? 
yeah, people start start buying new product. Think back market first. Uh, that would be a great first step. And then uh, look look out for us in 2022. We're coming with so many cool services to to really you know give to all the users what they what they need when they think about what what should I do with my tech devices. Yeah, cool buyback program and stuff like that. Cool. All right, Thibaut, thank you very much. Um, Good luck. I like what you're doing. Keep up the good work and save us all from ourselves here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for having me and keep doing what you do as well. It's cool. All right. Thank you, sir. Over and out. Bye. Bye.